Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Caroline Scott. For those of you that didn't make it to News Your Wired last week, where were you? We missed you. We had excellent speakers throughout the day talking about the latest tools, trends and techniques in digital journalism, from virtual reality to newsroom experiments and journalist collaboration to working with data. Now, if you didn't make it, we don't want you to totally miss out. So this week, we're giving you access to the session called At Our Fingertips, Storytelling for Mobile, with reporters from BuzzFeed, The Wall Street Journal and Quartz. From video to long-form text-based articles, how can media organisations tell stories better suited to a mobile audience? And how do smartphone users' behaviours shape how they interact with media brands? Our panel at NewsRewire discussed the best practices from newsrooms, as well as outlining some of the challenges and considerations when producing content for a mobile audience, whether that's a data visualisation or a news story. First up was Brianne O'Brien, lead news curation editor at BuzzFeed. When we launched the BuzzFeed News app for iOS and Android about two and a half years ago, we found out that two-thirds of our downloads were by people between the ages of 18 and 34. So we're talking teens, college students, young 30-somethings. People who are busy, who are on their phones, and whose attention span at times is short. But regardless of your demographic, you as a news or media publisher still need to be able to successfully distribute your content across mobile platforms. It doesn't matter how eloquent the long form or how hard hitting the investigation is, if you can't break those stories down into just a few sentences, you're not gonna be able to grab or keep the attention of your audiences. So here's how we think about it actually, is that everybody has that one friend who's really interesting and really witty and who's like the sparkling guest at their dinner party. They always have that one anecdote that nobody else at the party has, let's say. We want to be that friend. And here is a look at how we do that. So we always ask ourselves as editors, what are the confirmed need-to-know bits that we can provide to our audience? Now, when it comes to breaking news specifically, it's impossible for us to mimic these live posts that we have and that live on BuzzFeed.com. Those posts are stacked with minute-to-minute updates, and it makes for a scrolling stream of information, which is extremely important, but it doesn't necessarily translate to mobile. And so we also keep in mind that our users might only have 30 seconds to catch up on the news, right? So these are people that might be commuting to and from work, they might be in line at the grocery store, or maybe they're that crowd that really only like to scan headlines. So when we report stories and we break things down and try to distill information, we love breaking them down into a variety of formats, which makes it easy for users to get caught up. Um, this inclo- includes timelines, we have lists, photo galleries, video, tweet embeds, um, GIFs to name a few. And some stories might lend themselves to a fun fact, which could just be text-based, or it could be something data-driven, or even a map. And it should come as no surprise at us at BuzzFeed that we love uh, using emojis whenever possible. Um, And all of these things help diversify our app stream, and it makes it stand out and digestible for those on the go. And so another thing that makes our uh, app stand out is the fact that it's not automated. It's curated and edited by actual humans. And as human editors, we love to bring a casual and conversational tone that makes it sound like you're talking to a friend. And here are some of the examples behind me. So politics can be murky, right? Brexit, it's complicated as hell. And Twitter, we all have feelings about that new character limit, right? 
So what we do is try to break stories down into clear and at times humorous talking points because sometimes things are just funny. And of course, pending the story, we strike a serious or somber tone. And that same approach, though, very much drives how we look and think about push notifications. Now, we've got various buckets through the BuzzFeed News app that people can opt into. That is including with World, US Politics, UK News, LGBT, Biz and Tech, Entertainment. And what this does is it allows users to decide what type of news they want delivered straight to their phone. Now, out of a show of hands here, how many of you guys opt into push notifications? Really? Not that many? Okay, okay. Um, how many of you who do opt in uh, have ever gotten an alert that has left you hanging or confused? Okay, yeah, so right. We try to avoid that at all costs. So when we craft pushes before we do that, that is, we always ask ourselves, what are the confirmed need-to-know bits that we can give to our audience, right? So is this push confirmed? Is the information I'm sending confirmed, factual, and well-sourced? Is it contextual? Do I have room to add context to give it a little extra oomph, if you will? And is it self-standing? You know, will the average reader look at it and go, huh, what? That's exactly what we don't want to do. But, you know, for example, with that, sometimes the AP might push something just saying, you know, a breaking story is happening and it's very vague. We're not afraid to wait and push definitive injuries or that the gunman, let's say, if it's about an active shooter situation, that the gunman might still be on the loose, right? So we always try to provide as much context um, and information as possible. And we send push alerts because we want to inform people of important breaking news. We want to bring clarity during those fast-moving stories. And we also like to delight and surprise our audiences with news that they might find interesting or even entertaining. So in short, this is our approach to mobile storytelling. And our goals are really for users to feel like they can get caught up on important breaking news um, without having to click through each individual story. And to continue to be that fun and interesting friend who has something extra to bring to the table. Um, and I know that your guys' readership and products might not resemble that of BuzzFeed News. The same principles still apply, and it pays to look ahead and examine user behavior. Um, I think it's important for you guys to look at how people are consuming their news and how your audience is responding. Then ask yourself, what's the best tone to strike? Um, is there a more compelling and quicker way to tell a story? And above all, how can you, as a publisher, make it easier for your audience to get what they need? And I highly encourage all of you to do this with mobile at the forefront because as we've seen, it definitely can help maximize your distribution reach. Next to speak was Colleen McKenney, graphics editor at the Wall Street Journal. She told delegates about new forms of mobile storytelling that a team is currently experimenting with at the Journal. So we're using less interactivity in our interactive graphics, but what do I mean by interactivity? Um, I have two examples here. The one on the left is a project I worked on a few years ago, and the one on the other side here is one I worked on a few months ago. Um, and so what I mean by interactivity in this context is having the reader have to search for things, to use drop-downs, um, to have to close buttons and slide through things. Um, it worked a lot better when people were using uh, these tools on desktop. But on mobile, it can be a real pain, and it's a lot harder to design for and to build. Um, and so you can see here, this is a project where on desktop, 
if you scroll through, it transitions, the line changes, but there's no other interaction required from the reader besides scrolling. Um, I'm not asking them to search for anything. I'm not asking them to look up what the most important piece is. I'm just telling them um, right there. So why are we doing that? What are the reasons that we're shifting in this direction? Um, there are journalistic and technical reasons. Um, and the first one is to point out the key pieces of data right away. Um, as journalists, our jobs are to make sense of information and distill it quickly and clearly. Um, and we want to show how our data fits into the narrative. And from a technical point of view, search engines love fast-loading pages. And this is becoming more and more important. I'm sure some of you have heard of Google AMP and these sort of projects that um, prioritize faster loading pages on Google's um, search screens. So it's really important that we're thinking about that. And in that same vein, um, more interactivity doesn't necessarily mean a slower page load, but it does mean a lot more um, work on our side to develop something that will work quickly. And also, swiping and scrolling are just easier and more fun than dealing with a lot of drop-downs. If you've ever tried to fill in a form on your phone, you know how much of a pain that can be. Um, so if we're moving away from interactivity and we're moving towards flatter graphics, um, what are we moving towards? More linear explanatory stories rather than open-ended exploratory ones. So these are sort of the open-ended, these are the sort of categories that I've I'm talking about here that the explanatory ones are the ones that we guide the reader through, we show the point as we're telling it, um, and the exploratory being the more uh, data dump projects where we have a ton of data on activist investing at the Wall Street Journal, here you go. And some readers love that, um, but for the average reader coming to it, they're not gonna know what to do or how to interact with it or where to begin. Um, so I'm gonna show a few examples of projects at the journal uh, and one at the Guardian that I think do this really well. Um, so this is a um, project that we did on our graphics team. Joanna Stern is our personal tech columnist at the journal and she comes up with really fun ways of telling her stories. So she wanted to do something on making a phone call in 2017. So the graphics project is set up to make it look like you're on your phone, right? So Joanna Stern's calling you, you answer her phone call. She speaks to you um, and it goes through as if you're on the phone with her. Um, and you can choose different types of calling on the side here. So if you were to select HD voice or Wi-Fi calling, you hear Joanna Stern explain what they are in the actual audio file from that source. So you can actually hear an example of what HD voice sounds like. You hear what Wi-Fi calling sounds like. Um, and she does a video about call etiquette, so just how to make a phone call in 2017, since no one really knows how to do that anymore, it seems. Um, and so here's just a quick um, GIF, just to show you kind of how it works. Um, so it's, you see, it's all swiping, scrolling, and um, yeah, just sort of loops through this way. So I think it's a really good example of, it's about how to make a phone call. Um, you wanna make something like that in the form of a, of a phone. I think it's a clever way to do that. Um, and this is a project done by The Guardian. It's their um, 
data analysis after the 2017 general election. And I really like this project um, because it's very clearly built to be used on your phone. The navigation is really clear. Um, you swipe left and swipe up. And there's one graphic in the middle that changes and um, annotates as you go along. So I think the, the thing that's great about this format, and this is a format that we're moving towards more and more, um, the navigation is really subtle and it's clear. Um, the graphic takes center stage, and we're using, they're using a lot of um, annotations rather than um, filters and searches to get the information out there. Um, and this is a project we did at the journal about um, the discoveries of the Cassini probe during its 13-year orbit of Saturn. The background is one fluid animation, and as the reader scrolls through, the uh, background transitions, it moves, and annotations kind of come up as you go. Um, so again, we're not requiring anything besides sort of ambient um, interaction from the reader, and it's a really like pleasant experience. Um, as you can see, it kind of, you kind of get lost in the world of Cassini um, while you're looking at it. We actually did a, um, like an AR test on this project as well, using the same graphic, um, which I didn't work on, but it's a pretty cool project. All and the graphic fills up the entire space in the middle as well. So we're doing a lot more of these kind of things um, at the journal, and I, I've noticed that a lot of other organizations are doing this as well. And interestingly, these kind of projects are easier for our graphics teams to develop. Um, we're building one uh, version that's optimized for mobile, and these sort of things scale up pretty well to uh, larger devices, these sort of scrolling interactions and swipes. Quartz was founded five years ago as a mobile-first news organization. Jason Correan, Global Finance and Economics Editor and the Publisher, talked about some of the ideas behind the site and app and the mindset behind always thinking mobile-first. I think it's a very intimate kind of relationship you have with readers when they're on their phones. So I think that voice is important and personality and, and basically everything that, that, that Brianne from BuzzFeed was saying. And maybe what I can add here a little bit is, is, is that it's, we do it for you know, fairly hardcore kind of business, finance, economics news. We pitch ourselves as a guide to the global uh, e economy for business people excited by change. I think that's it. Um, um, and so on the site and in some of our emails, those are the flagships, and that's what we started with. And then a few years in, we created our app. It's just called the Quartz app uh, because um, a lot of that uh, time that we spent on our phones is spent in messaging, and we thought of uh, how can we use that vernacular of, of messaging to deliver the news, and so we came up with this kind of chatbot um, uh, app and uh, it's basically the kind of, I consider it the sort of distilled voice of Quartz, and then I talk a bit later about how that's sort of infected in a good way the rest of, of, of what we write for the site and the emails and other things. And so um, in this kind of mode, I think we're taking, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with some, some fairly heavy subjects, but with personality and it's kind of fun and the interaction there um, uh, can, be, can be good. And, and so um, in our app, not too long ago, we added a, a Trump snooze function because, you know, especially after his election, it was just so much Trump news, basically. And we know that it's very important, all that kind of stuff, but some people just can't take it anymore. So in the app, 
you can kind of swipe into the settings and it snoozes all Trump news for 24 hours, basically. Unless it's really huge, and then we're going to push it through to you. But, but, that, but that was kind of a, you know, just sort of, sort of like knowing how, you know, when, when, when all your phone lights up with notifications all day long about, about various uh, things that Trump has done, that, that's been pretty important. And then just the, the, the kind of voice that uh, a few months ago there was some, some story about Trump doing something and the, the opening bubble was just, was just that, you know, Donald Trump, and then you just, like, did this, that, and other, and you could, like, choose to, to see it or just, like, nope, don't want it. Um, and then just, just the, the, the kind of, I think, humor and personality, um, you don't need to shy away from it, even when, so, like, I'm the finance editor now, even when I'm writing about Brazilian bond markets or, like, the Russian ruble or that kind of stuff, I think, I think there's definitely ways that, to make it accessible and fun um, that, that, that reach new audiences, and that's particularly the case also, as, as BuzzFeed was saying, with notif notifications, we think very deeply about this. It's built into our app. We do a lot of haikus. And so um, this is like sort of a famous example of, of, of how we like to think of how Quartz fits into the kind of market news thing. And so you get the kind of daily summary of what happened in the market that day. Ours is you know, pretty impressionistic, obviously. But, but if you tapped through on that, um, Notification. I think it probably took you to the Wall Street Journal story that was explaining what happened that day. But it's just, again, the kind of delight and fun and interestingness of it, I think, helps um, a lot. And we've been um, adding in GIFs uh, and, and, and now charts to our notifications, too, when you, when you sort of expand them. And so there's a, there's a lot of information that you could pack into, into that small space. And I think that's, that's what makes it particularly exciting. Um, what we added to the app recently, which is definitely a something that couldn't happen with if it wasn't on a mo mobile, is AR. So we um, have this function now where we, where we you know take models of 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 certain things like the Cassini spacecraft or the new uh, Tesla Model Three uh, in AR, and so you can you know plunk it down um, in your camera and point it around, and so you know you put a Tesla in your living room and like expand it and and, and shrink it. Um, or, or you can have this Cassini spacecraft uh, going around. So on the left here was a piece of the Berlin Wall, which is in our New York office there, one of our editors. You just put it there and you can kind of explore it and you know, walk around and point your phone around, which is pretty cool. Um, and then totally meaningless, but for Halloween, we sort of skinned some of our, that's editor-in-chief Kevin Delaney in the front and our publisher Jay to his <laughs> left um, doing the Thriller Dance um, in Heathrow. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's just kind of like a, a silly thing, obviously. But um, I think that contrast there, it's, it's, it's a pretty powerful thing. We're just starting to kind of figure out how to use this journalistically. But it's still, it's just really awesome. Like one of our editors put the Rosetta Stone on his shed in his garden and, you know, tweeted that. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I, I find it delightful, but it's also very interesting. And I, and I, and I think it's, it's powerful. And we're only just starting to kind of understand how to use AR and to, to, to tell stories. One of the latest things we've launched is called the Obsessions email, which is a um, kind of a complement to our morning sort of news roundup, daily brief email. And it comes out in the afternoon, and it is sort of a deep dive into a single subject. Um, pretty wonky, very nerdy. So yesterday it was about latex. Um, I wrote one about spreadsheets. We've done something about credit scores about concrete, you know, all these kinds of things. And what I think is really interesting on this, particularly in the mobile context, is that we're, we're pushing email pretty far. So there's GIFs in it, there's like quizzes, where, where, where you know, multiple choice quizzes, there's uh, lists, stats, quotes, 
um, all these sorts of things. I think they probably average out to about, I don't know, 800, 1,000 words, but it's split into like 10, 12 kind of modules, like a quote or like a little paragraph, a little essay, a video, a GIF, a quiz, all this kind of stuff. And that's all in email. And that's gone over very well. And I think it's just a, like a delightful thing. And it's the, it's the kind of thing that after you read it, like this one about latex, you have five or six sort of killer factoids for when you're at the, at the pub or over lunch or something to just drop on people, um, which I think uh, you know, is, is kind of the point um, of, of, of a lot of what we do. And then these are just uh, some snippets of some stories that we wrote that I think wouldn't have happened if we didn't create the app. And, and, and this goes on the site and it works just as well on desktop as it does on, on mobile. So we have this running list of what uh, financial bigwigs have said about Bitcoin with kind of an emoji scale of whether they're worried or de delighted, that's on the left-hand side. And we've been keeping it up to date. And it's like a very sort of distilled, it's very mobile first, it's, it's, it's very easily digestible, but there's kind of a lot there. And so now we're up to, I think we're up to about 40. Every time somebody says something of any importance, we throw it in there and we give them the mobile scale, the, the emoji scale, sorry. And then there was a day a couple months ago where like 50 big companies reported their quarterly earnings, which is, you know, can be pretty dry, but we boiled it down again. We used kind of an, an emoji scale and we, you know, in a few words, a link to the earnings and an, and an um, um, emoji, you know, the, we, the headline was something like read 40 earnings reports in two minutes or something like that. Um, and, and it did very well, and I think it was useful because people know that it's important for them to like, be vaguely aware of like, how Nokia is doing or something, but they might not want to read you know, every sort of wire report story about their, their quarterly earnings versus that. And then finally, that, that last example there is um, when a big piece of Antarctic ice broke off a few months ago, um, we did this kind of, you know, listicle. Again, I'm sort of like self-conscious because there's somebody from BuzzFeed on the, on the stage there who knows lists. But ours is, um, is we went through sort of local press and, um, and, and, and pulled out how they described the size of this, of this iceberg, which is massive, right? So like it was 10 Madrids or it was the size of the Brazilian Federal District, all this kind of stuff. And that, I think, is, is something that, it, it could have existed if, if, if we weren't mobile first, that kind of thing, but it's, it's kind of appy. It's, it works particularly well on mobile, and um, you know, people like BuzzFeed have perfected these sort of lists, but I think in terms of subject matter, the way that we treat you know, Bitcoin or earnings or science, things like that, with a bit of humor and fun and something that works very well for somebody kind of snacking on their phone and again sort of like leaning in and reading our news against, you know, texts from their friends and tweets from their co-workers, that kind of stuff. If you'd like to hear more from this session, including the discussion that followed the presentations you've just heard, head over to newsrewired.com. All the audio, slides and resources from the other sessions on the day are there too, along with some fantastic articles written by our bloggers at City University. And if you don't want to miss the early bird sale, Grab your tickets for our next Newsy Wide event now, which is taking place on March 7th, 2018. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website.